0: The Black Arts Movement is the aesthetic and spiritual sister of the Black Power concept. As such, it envisions an art that speaks directly to the needs and aspirations of Black America. In order to perform this task, the Black Arts Movement proposes a radical reordering of the Western cultural aesthetic. The Black Arts and the Black Power concepts both relate broadly to the Afro-American desire for self-determination and nationhood. Larry Neal, 1960. Later in his essay on the black arts movement of the 1960s and 70s, Neal, an African-American theater scholar and poet and playwright, points to the fact that in spirit, there are two Americas, one black, one white.
1: Black art. Poems are bullshit unless they are teeth. Are trees, or lemons piled on a step? Are black ladies dying of men leaving nickel hearts, beating them down? Fuck poems and they are useful. Would they shoot, come
2: at you? That was the beginning of Amiri Baraka performing his poem, Black Art, recorded in the mid-1960s. We want live words of the hip world. Live flesh. If you want to hear the entirety of Baraka's performance, you can at the end of this conversation.
1: Soul splintering fire.
2: This is Bar Crawl Radio's Poetry, What Is It Good For? And today we are talking with two poets closely aligned with the black arts movement, Eugene Redman and Darlene Roy. I am Rebecca McCain and am joined by my BCR co-host, Alan Winson, and our Poetry, What Is It Good For? producer, Chris Brandt.
3: I've been wanting to sit down with these poets for many years, so that this white boy can learn more about this most important period of American poetry, the Black Arts Movement. Today, we will focus on the importance of the Black Arts Movement poets with Eugene Redmond and Darlene Roy.
0: Eugene Redmond, American poet and scholar whose work is identified with the Black Arts Movement and the city of East St. Louis, Illinois. He has published six poetry collections, including Eye in the Ceiling, Selected Poems, which received the American Book Award. Redmond's poetry draws on the sounds, rhythms, and themes inherent in jazz, spirituals, and bebop. His 30-year career includes work in academia at Southern Illinois University and California State University, and his schedule includes writing, teaching, performing, and mentoring.
2: Darlene Roy worked for the Illinois Department of Human Services for 37 years. She is co-founder and president of the Eugene B. Redmond Writers' Club in East St. Louis. Her poems and prose have appeared in several anthologies and many journals, and we will be focusing on her book of poems, Afro Synthesis: A Feast of Poetry and Folklore. During this conversation, happy you invited me.
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm so oh, looking hi, forward. Hi, Darlene. Here you go. Hi,
1: Chris.
2: See you, Darlene. <laughs>
4: hello
0: eugene oh. yeah you look hello, good UG. on tv UG. in
4: new york and you two guys uh finally to meet you
0: glad to meet that's you too
4: your reputations precede
0: you <laughs> <laughs> i'm not going to ask really, you what the reputation you
4: know, is when i told some new York, oh they said oh god that's a great program
0: well thank you so, thank you very much we yeah. chris and i and and my uh, co-host rebecca mckean we we try to do really well. And try to you know get the word out there to St. Louis. Yeah, East St. Louis going on? Well, this guy, this is going to be fun. We have our, our drinks because poetry, what is it good for? Us, is part of the bar crawl radio podcast, and so we try to create the bar here in my in my little office.
4: Yeah, I'm gonna. Yeah, I think you my should dog... have told us.
5: Yeah. I've got water. <laughs> no, no, no,
0: no, water. I
4: have
5: and tea. Oh, then I'm not, I, okay, in
3: non-pandemic times. We oh. do this in a in the on the, the street porch of a bar, on Seventy oh. Second yeah. Street.
5: Okay, which is I, great. I can go if, get some wine if that's, that's that'll no. help the. No. That's up mood. to you
3: entirely. <laughs> <laughs> if
5: that'll help the mood, I I can do that. Well, I'm gonna run upstairs and get some wine. I'll be right back.
0: All right, okay. good. All right, then we'll yeah. all be. We'll and then be...
5: I'll I'll reframe myself. Yeah.
0: <laughs> good. Everyone's here, and we. We'd like to start this conversation um, with Darlene Roy and Eugene Redmond. Uh, And I think, Chris, you've you've got the first question.
3: So we three white Americans are looking forward to talking with these two Black Americans about this most important and unique American poetic form that came out of the Black Arts movement. So let's start with this. What were the initial energies that
4: started the black arts movement and what were its peak years? The single most deafening image event was Malcolm X in natural progression of what we call the civil rights movement. So each movement sort of gave rise to the next one, you know, the arts and poetry in particular, always lead the music which is often referred to as revolutionary music several books with the title the black arts movement and revolutionary music or the black revolution and music but it, w- it would be malcolm and uh, then if you wanted to just sort of surround malcolm with a number of different things you know vietnam the culmination of the uh, migration, uh, the largest in-migration in the history of certainly this country and uh, of the modern world. The movement of more than half of the black people, two thirds of whom lived in the the South, moved to the North. And uh, we call it uh, the Second Middle Passage. So those are some of the forces You know, certainly music was at the forefront. John Coltrane was at the forefront. And we can go on and on. And then, of course, Mira Baraka, when he moved in 1965 from the village to Harlem with his Black Arts repertory of a theater group. That spelled the actual beginning. I think it was April 1965. His move to... Harlem, from the avant-garde or hippie or lower village and white, mostly white, to Black Harlem, and he followed that up uh, by uh, uh, marrying a black woman. It was very clear, and very dramatic. You know, he had been married to to um, and, petty coin. and so but it was happening in other places and sometimes new york gets a bit more of the credit because you had san francisco that black arts south and louisiana the black arts midwest and one of the things that kicked off the black arts movement politically was a conference in 1966 at the historically black Fisk University.
2: So that's amazing. Where were you at this time? Where What were you doing?
4: I was in East St. Louis. Um, people referred to me as a little Leroy Jones or a little uh, Amit Baraka because I was occupied a similar position in a bi-state area um, separated by or split by the Mississippi River, St. Louis, Missouri, and East St. Louis, Illinois. I was uh, a newspaper editor and at the same time an editor of uh, the university newspaper. The first Negro editor in the early 60s. I'd come home from the Marine Corps. It was a period of firsts. If you had anything going for you, you would have a first Black in front or behind your name. Or first Negro. Or the first colored person to do something. So Darlene has a lot of this first Black. I have a, believe it or not, I have about a hundred. The first Negro to do this, first Negro to do that. So the black arts, um, which is seen, uh, seen as the twin of the black power movement.
0: I'd like to hear more about that because as you said initially, the black arts movement uh, is identified as starting at the death of Malcolm X. Yes. Uh, so yes. something was going on in the in the black community and in this country that inspired something to happen, inspired uh, Amiri Baraka to do something, inspired you. What was that thing that was happening in this country back in the mid-60s? That
4: That was the black is beautiful and black power, although we didn't really, uh, we didn't call it that initially. But it it seemed like it was all of a sudden. In fact, I was a leader and I got caught off guard, you know, by uh, the... The animus in the Black community for white skin It was not everybody, but what happened is um, I had to tell friends of mine. I went to Washington University, one of the few universities in the Midwest that are called the Harvard of the Midwest. T.S. Eliot's grandfather founded, he was a Unitarian minister. He founded the university, Washington University. And that's with Donald Finkel, several award-winning poets uh, were there, uh, Howard Nemirov, who was at uh, Rutgers with Henry Dumas back in the early 60s. It's kind of erupted. It was. It just caught us all off guard unless you were right in the center. And I had to say to friends of mine, white friends of mine, don't come to the club looking for me, you know, because they they populated the jazz clubs and the blues clubs. And it was very common to see lots of white people. And one of my friends got roughed up, not really badly, but he got roughed up. So I said, hey, don't don't come looking for me because it is not good that you as a white person come in the black neighborhood and say that I'm your friend. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but is that is bad, that experience bad
4: for both of
0: us? <laughs> is, is that uh, Eugene? Is that experience part of the beginning of the Black Arts Movement?
4: Yeah, that that's yeah.
0: separating, that stepping back from.
4: That's right. That's right. Yeah. And some call some call it uh, um, segregation. Uh, some call it uh, black Jim, black uh, black begun uh, Jim Crow. But what we were doing when I, I finally got a hold of it um, we were actually, it was a retreating so we could look at each other because the entire focus for the most part especially from the black leaders of black middle class was to keep an eye on white people so we could see how to achieve study white people and what black people began to do was look at each other, look at ourselves. And the word black suddenly came before anything that you were talking about. It, just, it seemed like it was just out of nowhere, all of a sudden, soul food, uh, our women, our men, our children, our music, our song, as did I say our food, There was a black in front of everything, black food, black hair, uh, black films, black music, black song, black theater. What had been colored theater or Negro plays, you know, we did. Dial him for murder when I finished high school in '57, (laughs) Uh, and until the Black Arts Movement, most black people had only seen the high school play which was you know something about tennessee williams or you know you just you know it, it, it was not it was not a black play
0: so you were inculcated
4: In the 60s, it started you right know. you, you talking about all black high school. you were and hbcus yeah
0: you were being pulled you pulled away from the white culture to create a, a, a stronger black culture is, is that stronger black
4: culture and identity.
0: Right, Darlene. Let's get you. It was very
4: you... common. It was very common. It was widespread everywhere.
0: Yeah. Darlene, let's try. Let's try to get you into this. What yeah. What is your take on the beginning of this this moment, this movement?
5: Well, in '66, I was still in in college. I was still um, I was like maybe a junior at Southern Illinois University at Edwardsville. And I was just trying to muddle my way through white poetry since I like poetry. So, I mean, I was reading Keats and Yeats and, you know, all of the other um, famous poets and and Poe, and I I loved poetry. And I hadn't had enough um, experience beyond, you know, our just very few famous Black writers um, to to go in that direction. It wasn't until I met Eugene Redmond when he came back from um, the Marine Corps and he was editor of the LESTO that I I met him and I I thought I wanted to be a a journalist, but he let me know in the first meeting that wasn't gonna happen, (laughs) (laughs) but we stayed friends. And then through listening to Eugene and working um, with him in the community and in social settings, um, I began to shift how I thought about myself as a black person, but then he left and went to California. So I, I kept on moving in that direction with my friends who were here in the community. And by the time he came back, I was trying to write Uh, poems about the March on Washington (laughs) and all of that, but it was all uh, iambic pentameter. (laughs) So, (laughs) Ah. and not very good, but I was trying. And so when he came back, he started having programs in the community, um, poetry readings and things like that. And I gave him my few poems and he pointed out uh, how I needed to kind of reframe and rethink this whole process. And from that, that's how we even started the Writers Club because he came back, got us interested in the whole community about writing. So when it started out, we had people of every ilk coming to the meetings. I mean, we would have 50 or 60 people at a meeting for a writer's club because they had nowhere else to go and they weren't sure how they fit in the process.
0: Right. And this so, is, this is the like, Eugene uh, B. Redmond Writers uh Club of East right. St. Louis. Right. Yeah. Which you which you ran, I guess you're still running it.
5: Yes yeah. I am. <laughs>
0: right. 30, Thirty-five years.
5: Thirty-five years and older <laughs> <laughs> You
0: you were mentioning that you early on were writing in iambic pentameter of uh, Shakespeare's form. But coming out uh, of a call for the Black power movement in the 1960s, historian and playwright Larry Neal describes a new breed of Black artists taking on the contradictions of the Black person's experience in the racist West and developing a Black aesthetic, right. which, which we are now calling the Black Arts Movement. What is that Black aesthetic? And can we get to some examples of it?
5: I would say in in working with Eugene, I understood that the most uh, important thing is perspective and, and depth of understanding. You know, you've got to understand and study yourself. That's the central. And then from that, you go out to other cultures because we're all related. And then you need to know how the historical links fit because we're not isolated in one decade or another. It's a continuum, Mm
3: -hmm. it's a
5: diaspora. And so we have to have a bigger mindset. We have to have what Eugene told us immediately, a worldly cosmology. Mm -hmm. So we can't center ourselves in East St. Louis or Brooklyn, which is a little town over there or St. Louis, Missouri. We have to center ourselves and then work the broader
3: I want to take a, a, a tangent on here. It's not really a tangent. Um, there must have been some residue or or basis of Black culture other than James Baldwin and so forth that you drew out of for this, that is kind of the well from which you got your water. And I'm wondering if that was music.
5: Yes. Uh, my family always had lots of music and books and Ebony and Jet, because those were the black magazines. I was always listening to music. I I developed uh, a love for jazz when I was in um, high school. And then it grew from there. I also developed a love for classical music when I was in junior high school. And that was because my best friend's family Um, always played instruments and they played a lot of classical music. So when I would go there, we would be listening to Peter and the Wolf and, you know, all of those kinds of of Wagner, whatever. (laughs) So all of that came together. So that goes back to the worldly cosmology that Eugene made me realize that this is what was happening. So if you understand the dynamics, then you can interpret and then, you know, include that contextually, and how you work
0: this is called poetry what is it good for and we've gone entirely too long in this program without hearing any poetry
1: yeah Uh, we
0: need we need some poetry either uh eugene's poetry or darlene's poetry something maybe at this point that you would say represents the early black arts movement uh we opened the show with amira baraka's uh black art him's his performance of it and we'll end the show with that but I wonder if you could come up uh, with with an example. So we have something to chew on here.
5: I'm gonna read the title poem to um, my book. The title is Afro-Synthesis. That's the title of my book. And the first poem in there is entitled Afro-Synthesis. Uh, Moving on. It is um, a free verse poem. Packed up feelings. Furniture and fragile memories jammed in tight against giving in, against caving in, let go, given up, violet remnants, dusty love, humming home, ritual passions, moving on behind boxed leftovers, lassoed loose ends, a care-wrapped heart down road ready to the unpack, unbox, unwrap of portable and treasured salvages gleaming, gleaming with fresh courages and fresh fires, and from leftovers forge new foundations in my own ample Egypt. Some antiquity, some future, staring back through pyramidal dreams, moving on, moving on. Now this talks about me uh, uh, in a struggle, me as a person who's being resourceful, me who's making decisions about life strategies. So when you when a person reads this, they can pull out a lot of different facets, but it also talks about me as an African person.
0: And it talks about Egypt too.
5: Yes, it talks yeah. about me and my connection to the motherland.
0: Right, so you have that cosmology going on. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So it's the it's the small, it's the individual, it's you going through this change in your life, this packing up and unpacking along with this idea of certainly the Egyptians packed up and we've been unpacking them for a while.
3: <laughs> Want to mention um, the migration. Yeah, we a, call a, this constant movement
5: kind of thing, um, uni, uh, pati- universal particulars. So, you know, we're universal, but we're particular at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you can get a, a particular point of view out of this, but you can also get a universal point of view. Well,
3: okay. something that strikes me mm-hmm. uh, as you're talking about the Black Arts Movement is that you seem to have pulled inward to discover blackness and black power and and the power of black sensibilities and artistic temperaments and so forth. But you didn't restrict this to black only only anything about blackness. You're you're pretty inclusive.
5: Well how do you have power if you're not looking at everything around you? See but that's the opposite power.
3: But that's the opposite of what was done to black people in this country. And I so, know. I I just want to recognize yeah,
0: that yeah. there's a generosity there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I feel exactly I feel there's a generosity in you talking to us white people, because we <laughs> this is a racist country, and uh, I grew up in the South and I saw it. Um, and mm. so I I need I need to be re- relearned about you know who I am as as a person and and relived. As a person, um, uh, Eugene, can we hear something uh, of your of your poetry?
4: Yeah, um, this poem is a culmination or an cumulative uh, a result of the Black Arts Movement, a reach, reaching back to ancient African uh, thoughts and events putting it all into a play form is what is happening in America and the poem was actually written in nineteen seventy six which is near is the year that many people use as like the close but and it was it was in honor if you want to use that term of the uh of the bicentennial, American bicentennial, and I read this in a lot of places, uh, you know, during that period. And by is spelled B-Y-E, hyphen bicentennial, unreflected thrust and frontiers. Drum and fife, drum and fife, zig America, zag. Rugulash and Gumbo and oboe. Patch Patchwork Hum Clock 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 Working Tambourine Underbump Hum Hum Indelicacies into Frontiers New England, New Africa, New World Waiting and Weeping in Antique Tears. Hail, hail, the seismic love of liberated bells. Host toasties, Great Nuts, Long Rangers, Jumping Frogs. Blues people, Allegheny Gogo, Stradivarian hoedown, Express, ho ho, bo bo. Mumbling muskets, Ahab in search of Jonah, how come? Black gold, rock of my soul in the bosom of slavery. Mumbling muskets. Ahab, Ramble of the Preamble, Drum and Fife, hum, hum. Drum and Fife, Ace or Spade, Harborah, Harborah, Perils and Harbors, Igloo, Angola, and Reggae, Harvest Moons, Sniper Moons. But, a bust. What did who do to get so black and blue? Zig, zag, zig, zag. Cellular transplants, sutures on the liberty nail. Knock, knock, knock of night livers come to utter silence. Hum, hum. Indelicacies delicacies into frontiers. slapped leather and totemized saddles. Zigzagging, hair-triggered lover. Heavy hymn of a natural-born death wish. Sambu-boo dance at Jamestown. Sambu-boo dance at Jamestown. Suit stained, edible clutch of Jolson to squeak, squeak, the squeak, squeak of Watergate. Atucks the bullet eater. Atucks the bullet eater. Atucks the bullet eater. Atucks the bullet eater. Atucks the, the bullet eater. Hum, hum. Emphysema of the drum. Influenza of the Fife. Um, 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 um. Now Attucks, everybody knows who Attucks was. You know, the the first person to die in the Revolutionary War in the Boston Commons it was Attucks, a black forty-year-old like, dock worker. Right, and, wow. and that's more, that's wow. like a play that uh, a lot of my 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 things were played. Before spoken word was used a great deal, uh, that's what came out of the black arts movement.
0: The hip hop and spoken word. Wasn't, right.
4: Yeah. 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 Hip hop, spoken word. Yeah. And of course, um, the jazz, scatting, uh, scatting. Ella. Mm-hmm. Leon Thomas, who was my high school classmate. Yodeling and scatting. Right.
2: It must be very difficult to live in a world in which people are celebrating the, the great events of this country and to know that your ancestors were not part and not welcome.
3: Well, that they were part of it, but not the way.
2: Not, yeah. yeah. No, I know, but I mean, not, yeah. not, not recognized, I should say. Not, not yeah. part yet, yeah. Yeah, not recognized. Yeah. yeah
0: and my, my question would be, to add on to that, would be how did people react to that? And who were your audiences when you were reading that in 1976?
4: Well, I, I, I took it in the full-blown uh, drama, full-blown theater. Larry Neal, whom you quoted, said that uh, the poems are scripts. They're not made, written to... Be used as static documents or forms. They only come alive when you stage them, when you present them. And you know, even interestingly enough, a white poet uh, had a, had a he had a journal called the Sixties and then the Seventies. Remember the guy from the Midwest up up near Michigan. I uh, yeah, uh, Robert Bly, Bly. Bly said that what the poets of the 60s had done was to bring voice back into poetry, had brought it from a sedentary kind of experience, the moderns <laughs> had brought it, brought it from a sedentary experience to an active, living, orchestrated, dramatic experience. They had been an eye, mind experience until the '60s, and that the poets of the '60s. And he was speaking, you know, all poets, but with an eye toward uh, black poets and the black arts. Put the heart back in poetry.
0: There's a sound to it too. You could hear the sounds of ni- mid-1970s. I mean, you, it's so yeah. full of sound. It's like sound effects within the poem.
4: Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 all done, and and I found that uh, people, you know, I, I went all over the country and read at universities and read in taverns, you know, the whole deal, and um, and we were right behind the beat movement. So you you see that they they were very much related. In fact, Baraka came out of it. Yep. Baraka and a number of poets uh, of the Black Arts Movement were. Oh, we were older. By the time the Black Lives Movement kicked off, I had a master's degree. You know, so we were older. Then some poets were like 18 and 19. Hmm. You know? Uh, so 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 we had already gone through the moderns in school, what Darlene discussed, you know, a bit more rigorously rigorously because we were we were studying. I mean, Baraka has a master's. And German literature from Columbia after he left Howard University, so he's a very, uh, very erudite.
2: It must have been uh, a heady time for you. Oh, it was. It, was. it must have been a uh, so exciting. And did you know you were in the middle of something that was going to be so long lasting, so important? We did. We
4: we, we did. We we um. The people who know about what we were doing and how we predicted some of this. And we were in the fray at the time. You know? So former students of mine, I was in the classroom for 45 years, beginning in the Black Arts Movement. There was such a demand until I walked around. Every day I had 10 to 12 telegrams or letters of uh, offer me jobs because of the demand the students had you know Mm -hmm. had risen up on the campuses and you know all every kind of activist you want to name you know anti-vietnam uh uh, anti-poverty uh pro-free speech you know what was happening all that was going on at the same time anytime i stepped out of my office I stepped right into some line, to some group of students and faculty doing something. We knew, as I said, we, we changed the world because you couldn't study women <laughs> unless you took a course in anthropology. You couldn't study uh, African-American culture. You couldn't study Asian-American. You couldn't study uh, Native American, Latino. I sat in on meeting that out of which came literally hundreds of black studies, Native American studies, Asian American studies, Latino studies, Middle Eastern studies. That was all part of it too.
2: How about you, Darlene? Did you know that this was an important thing going on? And
5: you remember by the time I actually came into poetry, I already knew that it was in existence because Eugene explained it to me. And he introduced me to of the all the members of the writers' club, to a lot of the key figures of the Black Arts Movement. I mean, and they we, met
4: and you met them.
5: They yeah, met them, almost every one of them. Yeah, Amir Baraka. We we had him here to read at uh, SIU. We had him here to read in East St. Louis. So, um, on your yeah, Sanchez. That's right. One Albert, of the Alvin O'Bear and and Henry (laughs) Dumas and, and, uh, well, Maya was part of that Black Arts Movement as well. I mean, you know, um, it was just amazing, the number of um, poets that we were able to spend time with out of of the Black Arts Movement.
3: Let me ask you about Henry Dumas, partly out of personal interest because that's the way I first met uh, the Black Arts Movement and Eugene and Baraka when uh, the original uh, collection, These of a Natural Man, was published, which I believe you wrote the, the Eugene, you wrote the introduction to that one, too. Sure, to that. sure. Well, so can you tell us a little bit about Henry Dumas and his the importance of that man to the Black Arts
4: Movement? This is the 58th, uh, 53rd year that, uh, a number of a number of us have been uh, uh, been part of what uh, Toni Morrison called the the cult of Henry Dumas, and she said a very deserved cult. <laughs> and and Jane Cartes called it the Henry Dumas movement. The 1988 summer double edition of Black American. Uh, Literature Forum, uh, which uh, Darlene contributed to, it has 52 writers, including Toni Morrison and Maya and Amiri and John A. Williams and K. Curtis Lyle and Michael Castro, uh, talking about Dumas. So if you can get your hands on one of those. There's still some around. So that's, uh, you know, Henry Dumas and I were teaching together in, in East St. Louis, at an experimental college, and he went off to New York to the wedding of a friend, and to talk to publishers about the possibility of getting his work published in book form for the first time. And he was shot to death, of course, in the subway by a policeman. Um, But uh, now we have uh, two books. One is out already, Needs of a Natural Man, has been reissued. An Echo Tree, the stories or a short fiction, uh, will be out momentarily. A very uh, interesting man always had uh, two things: a tape recorder and a camera. And he adored what he called the precious, our precious tradition. He did things like visit the South and tent cities in Mississippi and Tennessee. He, um, black people who lived in tents to protest the lack of decent housing. They lived in tents and he went there to visit and give them, you know, give them food and supplies. And he had an incredible imagination uh, and, the, and an incredible ability to immerse himself in history and what is now a big thing in literature afrofuturism Duma is right at the center of it everybody everybody who is into uh, afrofuturism whether they' a band they jazz, or music that is, you know, as far as you can get. Writers, if they're dancers, if they're in theater, they know about Duma now. Uh, I got uh, there are two, there are three little short poems. Uh, short poems. Uh, one is a couplet. The great god Shango in the African sea reached down with palm oil and oozed out me.
2: now
4: now, it takes an entire chapter in the bible to talk about the creation (laughs) and and then he has things that um for children but for adults too i made i made a ship for my belly uh with jelly and a spoon And sweet riding jelly bread kept me till noon. And then it's one that's the one that goes directly to what we've been talking about. The puppets have a new king. Ooh, they broke us like limbs from trees and called Europe up on our African mass, and made puppets. Ooh, la, la, Let us, like little black spears, bore our way.
5: Well, did... I would like to try to get um, a Kwansaba in since Eugene was responsible for creating it. And,
0: well, let's talk about Kwansaba. Saba.
5: Well, um, Eugene came up with a brilliant idea because we do a pre-Kwanzaa celebration every year and um, during the candle lighting ceremony there are seven candles and each one is dedicated to a principal. but eugene started thinking about it and wanted to make it more creative so and that is seven uh words in seven lines with no word exceeding seven letters unless of course we do have exceptions you know proper nouns and Um, foreign terms and direct quotes and neologisms, new words, and things like that. Those are the basic principles when you read those. It goes back into our African history, the perfection of seven, the artistic uh, artistic direction of the sevens, and when you think about the seven sons and uh, mystique that's in the sevens. We workshopped it that summer in uh, 95. Now, the Saba is being trained in schools across the country. The wonderful Jerry Ward did a workshop on the Saba in China in 2017.
4: Uh, A a professor at uh, Rutgers University, Newark, named C. Van Jordan, conducted... A two-week workshop on the Quanissava in Scotland. So, and there are at least five books, including one by my daughter, Treasure Shields Redmond, based on the, the experiences of Fannie Lou Hamer, on the Quanissava. I mean, you know, that contained the Quanissava. So, uh, can you, can, got, you it,
3: can you explain to us uh, the the meaning of the two or the two parts of the word? Quan is obviously connected in some way with Kwanzaa.
5: Yes, and, and
3: what does Saba mean?
5: Well, um, Kwan is, comes out of, well, Kwan Saba means first fruits or first fruit. the growth Kwan. out of Africa, first fruits. So we did we took the Kwan, which is first, and put it with Saba, because in Africa or Swahili, Saba means principle. So mm-hmm. we made it first principle, so Kwan Saba.
0: Yeah. Let's hear some Quonsaba.
5: Okay, well, I I want to read this one that I wrote about my hometown, um, one of my hometown jazz heroes, uh, Miles Davis, who was born in Alton, but his family brought him to St. Louis when he was three years old, you know, knew some of his family members. And this was on the Metrolink buses and cars for three months in um, 1994. So, this one is entitled Miles of Jazz. Miles surpassed all jazz runs ever blown with his torrid trumpet, air of Dumas Afro horn, it Mm -hmm. wrecked woes and morphed into an all blues kind of rule. He urged us to dig our own gifts and schemes via funky cards that anchor us from drifting like autumn leaves. I'll
4: read one, and maybe I don't know if we have time for two or three for us. Oh, to, yeah. I' uh, go back time. and forth a couple of times. Sankofa Kwan Sankofa, you know where you're going if you know where you've been. And Sankofa kwansaba for Reginald Lockett, a poet, former member of the Panther Party, and who visited East St. Louis to read his poetry? Panther, poet, and good footer could songify like a word wind ballad dear, enters yes tomorrow's funky forever, wearing peace epaulette over war-tested grace. Leaning like love's hitman into born-again ears of a jazz convert. Blowing, blowing on the corner of West Oakland and West Africa. Nice. Well, there are two things that
3: I've noticed about the Kwanzamas that I've read. One is that it's clearly not in a, a English, standard English metered rhythm, but it clearly has a lot of rhythm. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, what, where does the rhythm come from for you guys?
5: Well, um, one thing we wanted to, to, to make sure was that it was not an end uh, rhyme. Kind of deal that we wanted the internal rhythm that that is out of our heritage, and because uh, everybody knows that we've got that zine that makes the whole world swing. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you
4: just yeah, that's a great
5: haiku. Yeah, it well. is.
4: That is great. You got that thing that makes the whole world swing.
5: Absolutely. <laughs>
4: <laughs> we wanted to make sure that that's that a was great poet for you.
5: And <laughs> <grounded laughs> the poem that we do, and then too, as Eugene said, the poem is not uh, a static thing. We make it swing with our voice, uh, with our intonation. Um, with um, mm-hmm. our emphasis, and then sometimes we may repeat some words just to mm-hmm. give it that 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 uh, balance or, or make it ring.
4: We figured out a lot of things about the Kwan Saba after it was invented, but I know, and we're still adding to it. I was aware that it was half the size of a sonnet in terms of number of lines. You know, it was, it was, it, was being, it was being very clever with it because it's half the sonnet, but it doesn't have the rhyme scheme. But there are people who rhyme with it. I've even done it. You can you can rhyme, and it doesn't have the metrics because you're not gonna find. You might find one word like say height, the seven letter word that's uh, under seven letter that doesn't have a one syllable. And you can find some seven-letter words or under-seven-letter words that have uh, as many as three, maybe four syllables. Mm. There was some cleverness that went, you know, went into it. So it requires music, if you get my point. It's something I got in Japan. And I was stationed there. I had some monogram shirts and dress made. And when I passed Japanese... A Japanese person, they would say Eugene, and 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 in Japan there there is a, a consonant to vowel relationship. No matter what, the syllable has to break there. so they would say Eugene. <laughs> I mean, having spent time there and studied the language while I was there at Marinko, that that allowed me to bring that in that idea in there, right? So that. Uh, it swings.
3: Well the other thing that, that yeah. really struck me about the Quan is the, the word play, the kind of pleasure in, in taking words and putting them together in new combinations and making them mean more than two things at a time. Things like uh, Darlene has a one where she says she's fulfilled. Yeah, the right, right. yeah, and uh, the, my one of my favorites is conscious, consciousness, yeah, which is spelled conch, which could also be pronounced conch,
4: wow. yeah. So That's consciousness, right? Yeah,
3: conch- that, that has so many possible different meanings, <laughs> um, and and things like uh, solar system and um. <laughs> Electro, Electro electrify, yeah. things <laughs> <Electro-fry>. like that. <laughs> yes. New arc, new arc for the city in New Jersey. Yeah. So where does that come from, Liz? What's that all about?
5: Well, neologisms is a great. Part of the work that we've done as uh, members of the Writers Club, Eugene said that we needed to think of the ordinary and move it several levels up to the extraordinary. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then that makes us always have to be thinking um, broader than just what you see on the page. You, what you hear in the he- air it's not what you necessarily see on the page. So um, yeah, yeah. To, yeah. so we want to make sure that um, when you look at the page, you got one experience. And when you hear it in the air, you've got uh, another kind of experience.
0: Can we have one more poem from each of you?
5: I, I got to do a woman since I did Miles before, I got to do a woman now, okay. but <laughs> another um, person who, who came to the city, who was not born in the city, but who had great impact on um, not only the city, but the people and SIUE, where she came as an artist in residence in the mid sixties. And that was Catherine Dunham. Ah. And I got to meet her uh, because I was a student at that time. And my um, student supervisor, Mrs. Braithwaite, was a bear, very good personal friend of Catherine Dunham. I think we and should so back
0: identify Catherine Dunham, the dancer, who right. created uh, new forms of dance that drew that draw drew from African tradition.
5: Right, and she was an author, and um, just uh, a playwright and a singer and an anthropologist, and you name it. I mean, she covered the gamut. This particular piece is entitled Virtuoso. It's part of a longer piece, but I'm just going to read this one section, this one kwansaba of the two in this piece. A Voldoom empress sashayed across Paris, Dakar, Sydney, Chicago, and Jacques Maltou, thumps of... Jembe, Jembe, Jembe says, Mr. Pratt's erotic Raymond drew eyes toward KD's healthy hourglass, healthy hourglass atop calmly legs. She was an inferno in men's blood, an inferno in men's blood, and a virus that pricked women's tongues as she whirled, as she whirled outside their orbit.
0: Beyond their <laughs> orbit. Mm, thank mm, you. Mm. Thank you so much, Catherine Dunham. That's, uh, your poems are so full of um, bio- biographies. Well,
5: thank you.
4: Yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, Eugene, can you give us one more?
4: Yes, yes. Um, this is for, for Maya. Maya Angelou and I were very close. She was a trustee of the Writers Club, along with a lot of other great bra- Writers, Gwendolyn Brooks and Amir Baraka, you know, <clears throat> and Margaret Walker. And so this is one of a half dozen or so Kwansaba's in a section on Kwansabas in my book, Arkansas Memoirs. And I spell, I create two words here. Memoirs. <laughs> Arkansas, to honor my my father and my mother. Mother, my mother was from Mississippi and my father from Arkansas. And then memoir, uh, this is a, a biography of my 49 words. She feeds eyes, ears, and skies with dancing loaves of poetry. Baked in awareness, of Stamps, St. Louis, San Francisco, and Porgy and Bess. Then foretasting tasting purple Alice's and blue Tonys. She uncages Dunbar's lyrical feast in Nasser's Egypt in Krumah's Ghana, MLK's USA and every
0: woman's kitchen. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much. Yeah. Click, 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 sure. click, 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 <laughs> Thank you. Um, we're talking about synthesis bringing together and creating new language yeah. in order to solve certain problems, uh, mm-hmm. thoughts that we want to get out, create new ways of thinking. And I was just, um, we're in the midst now of uh, an impeachment of a, um, a horrible president. And I just wanted to uh, kind of circle back to uh, Larry Neal, poet, historian, and other, other things we talked about earlier. And I'm mm-hmm. quoting from, he said, whose vision of the world is finally more meaningful, ours? or the white oppressors. What is mm-hmm. truth? Or more precisely, whose truth shall we express? That of mm-hmm. the oppressed or of the oppressor? And here's, here's my question. Do you have any ideas about how we as white Americans who seem to be in power right now can get out of this ridiculous funk that we're in? Is there a, synth- is there a word, Eugene, you can come up with that can magically transform us into human beings?
4: <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Let me, that's what, that's interesting. That's what I've been dealing with in all these Zooms and all these telephone conversations. Really? And one, I talked to one archivist and he we was interested in, in some of my stuff. And he said, Well, when do you think we'll uh, achieve normality? And I said, Normal is what got us here. Hmm. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So they give you some idea how and I I never use coronavirus by itself. I use corona racial virus or social virus nature made and human made. I think we need to think like that and then just I don't know how we'll wrestle with it, but we were still born. We were still born in 1776. That's what that first poem was about. You know, hum hum. Ooh. That's what that poem was about. What happened, that first poem that I read, right. was about the stillbirth, you know? Right. So if you're still born, and then some states finally say, "Okay, well, I will say that they're three-fifths human. I will say they're two-thirds human." You know, then how do you, how do you get unstillborn? Now I know the, I know the road, of course. You know, I've taught it for for uh, let's see, 53 years ago I entered the academy. You know, I started my professional teaching career. So I know how it should be done. And I have students who can talk about it better than I do. Better than I can, because they are smarter, they had, they they came in the world with better tools. I was poor, you know. I belonged to a a think tank for almost 60 years. A lot of us are dead now, you know, going all the way back to John Henry Clark, Van Sertema, or Toni Morrison, or my aunt, but for 60 years, Amir Baraka, and we're not all black. I mean, there are lots of great scholars around the world looking at this, but that's the way I would start um, with the birth, and then say, we got to understand that it cannot happen unless we can, unless civilization can look civilization in the eye. That's a tough question. How do you get to a point where one civilization knows that civilization itself came from a place that was robbed of its geniuses and turn them into slaves. That's that's hard to do. But I but I believe I started calling for certain things in the 60s. One thing was I said we should add to the evening news a madness report. <laughs> and we say, okay, New York has gone down and and uh, and schizophrenia. Meanwhile, in Texas, uh, suicidal tendencies are down. But the part, it was it was it was a joke. But I, I said you know we need a madness report. You see, we need it now. What is that? Yeah. Millions of people have got something happened to them, and they they're human beings. Like 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 I my ancestors were human beings, you know. So that's one thing that I, I said. The other thing I said is that Miss Dunham was part of the think tank. And she would tell me every day, she said, you know what we need to do, Eugene? We need to turn TV over to black history for 70% of the time. And I said, Yes, but what sponsors are going to? put millions and billions of dollars into ad, you know, to put ads on it on TV that shows black accomplishments all day, you know, but she, that's, that was what she thought would be the answer that we need to devote. She even said up to 90% of television until Mm -hmm. this thing is solved. So you give them a pointer. You you, you know, very complex, very complex, very difficult. Maybe, maybe if we were still born in
3: 1776, we're still dead today.
4: Yeah, he, that's what Tanahisi. Everybody knows Ta- who Tanahisi Coates is. Yeah, he doesn't have any hope.
2: Yeah. They want.
4: They can't even get him to smile on, on TV. Eduardo <laughs> Porter, same thing. Yeah. Ah, uh-huh. Eduardo Porter. Yeah, that's right. Thing. Yeah.
0: And I don't know whether this relates to what you were saying, Eugene, but uh, Dumas' root song seems to talk about that kind of civilization talking to civilization. That's uh,
4: why Tallahassee coach chose it to open and close Black Panther 3,
0: wow. the comic book. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Didn't know that. Yeah. Did not know that.
4: And I had a great conversation with them when they called me for permission, which was a, a nice slice of, a, you know, when they called for permission to use Dumas Ruto. I had a nice talk with the law, a couple of lawyers about it, you know, just uh, what that really means, you know. Root song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. So we're here, and I ask <laughs> myself, sometimes I ask myself, why did I live long I'm 83. Why did I live long enough to see this? You know, I saw these other ones, you know, you know Moonshots, I saw Obama. I saw this, I saw that, Jackie Jonah Kersey, the Olympian. She's from East St. Louis. Is she? And uh so I said, I live to see all of that. Why did I have to live to see and then I said, Well, I'm glad my mother, and my father, and my older brother, and my older sister didn't see this,
0: you know. Yeah, but you've or seen Amanda. You Gorman. win some and you lose some. Yeah, yes. you, you've seen Amanda Gorman. I mean, she's
5: yeah. Oh, wow! We're excited about it, Amanda. <clears throat> yeah.
0: And guess
4: what? I have to give you. You know, we old teachers can talk. When I give you one more, item, Amanda Gorman's grandmother was a student of mine.
1: <gasps> <gasps> oh
4: my! <laughs> Bertha Gorman, oh, and my. she went. She went on to do great things as a writer. Stories about me. She was a journalist, and then she became like the PR, like a VP at uh,
0: at Lockheed Aircraft and and public relations.
4: <laughs> went far, you know. This yeah. has been
0: a wonderful conversation, Darlene Roy and Eugene Redmond, Eugene B. Redmond. Um, Thank you. We're 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 honored. Um, I, I would like to invite you back. I mean it seems like there's more we could talk about maybe when we get back we could just do poetry just read read, read we will we'll read root song maybe you know
4: oh yeah maybe, maybe we should more, do do that.
0: That. Yeah.
5: we'll be will be happy to to get with you again and talk about um, some more things uh, at one point I I want to make we're probably the only African-American Writers Club in the United States who have been able to spend time with, I don't mean passing through or getting an autograph from, the three Nobel laureates of African derivation. And that's Toni Morrison, Derek Walcott, and Wally Inka. I mean, yeah. spend time.
4: And, and we're so, not talking about just uh, shaking hands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Get an yeah. Autograph. Did, yeah, you did get, Derek get Walcott come,
3: come and teach at, at SIU?
5: No, he was reading oh, no. in St. Louis, and he was over there a couple, about two or three times. They
4: came to teach. At, so, he came to yeah. Washington University.
5: We got to spend so time. We,
4: with I, I I'm, see. I know them all. I I worked with Toni Morrison for an entire decade on the Duma project. She was a senior editor at Random House. Right, so
3: so this book was you did this book with her as the editor.
4: Initially, it was called Poetry for My People. Huh. Getting a whole history here,
5: right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we have a lot of history. And we did, we know. did seven
4: <laughs> books together, seven books together in in the uh, in the in the seventies.
0: Wow does Does your group, uh, Darlene, still get together um, physically uh, at all, or not now? No, we
5: we do uh, conference calls. We do teleconference calls.
0: Right, right,
5: right. And because I mean, everybody's trying to stay away from everyone else until we can all get our shots and yep. you know get herd immunity and all of that. So
0: right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it. We we may have been stillborn, but we're still together.
4: Yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, you know, metaphorically, but uh, yeah, this is a tough one. And uh, the poets of, of old would say, "Nor are we out of it."
5: Yeah, yeah. And not so guess, only this, so a unmasked, huh? unmasked, standing maskless on First Amendment foreshadows fall into last rights. Ah. Ah. Wear your mask, people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. Okay. That's it. We got to end right there. That's <laughs> okay. It. That's an that's an ending. From my mouth to God's ear. I hope we get to talk again. Oh, yeah,
4: I, I, I hope so too. This, this I, was a lot I'm of fun, yard. Really you great, great meeting
2: you, you. too. Thank, yeah. so Thank, Thank you so much.
4: Thank you so much. Okay.
2: Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
4: Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye
0: bye. Bye
2: bye. you later, uh, darling. Okay, Eugene. Bye bye.
4: Did good.
2: Did it has been a great honor to host these two poets as part of our series, Poetry, What Is It Good For? We want to thank Darlene Roy and Eugene Redman for reminding us of the importance of the black arts in this difficult country of ours. We continue to be hunkered down and yearn for the day when we can invite our bar crawl radio guests to one of our neighborhood bars on the Upper West Side. And now, let's listen to the rest of Amiri Baraka's performance of his poem, Black Black Art.
1: Poems are bullshit unless they are teeth or trees or lemons piled on a step or black ladies dying of men leaving nickel hearts beating them down. Fuck poems and they are useful. Would they shoot, come at you, love what you are, breathe like wrestlers, or shudder strangely after peeing. We want live words of the hip world, live flesh and coursing blood, hearts, brains, souls splintering fire. We want poems like fists beating niggers out of jobs, or dagger poems in the slimy bellies of the owner Jews. Black poems to smear on girdle mama mulatto bitches whose brains are red jelly stuck between Elizabeth Taylor's toes. Stinking whores. We want poems that kill. Assassin poems. Poems that shoot guns. Poems that wrestle cops into alleys and take their weapons, leaving them dead with tongues pulled out and sent to Ireland. Knock off poems for dope selling wops or slick half-white politicians. Airplane poems. Ah. Look at the liberal spokesman for the Jews cut your throat and puke themselves into eternity. Ah, ah, ah. There's a Negro leader a bar stool in Sardi's, eyeballs melting in hot flame. Another Negro leader on the steps of the White House, one kneeling between the sheriff's thighs, negotiating coolly for his people. Ah! Stumbles across the room. Put it on him, poem. Strip him naked to the world Another bad poem Cracking steel knuckles in a Jew lady's mouth Poem. scream poison gas On beasts and green berets Clean out the world for virtue and love Let there be no love poems written until love can exist freely and cleanly. Let black people understand that they are the lovers and the sons of lovers and warriors and sons of warriors are poems and poets and all the loveliness here in the world. We want a black poem and a black world. Let the world be a black poem. And let all black people speak this poem silently loud.